Welcome to today's audio podcast, a sermon teaching from Grace Bible Church of Akron. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of GBC and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at gbcakron.org. Please take a moment to let us know how this ministry is impacting your life by emailing us at info at gbcakron.org. That's I-N-F-O at gbcakron.org. Also, if you would like to support Grace Bible Church, you may do so by visiting gbcakron.org forward slash giving. Thank you for listening and enjoy the podcast. I want to begin this morning as we continue talking about spiritual battles. As Carrie opened up in a powerful sermon last week, I, I know it spoke to me. I believe it spoke to probably many of you in here. But I want to open this morning just with a word of prayer before we jump in uh, today to the word. God, as we take a step back and look at our life, and if we're honest, it's easy for us to see that life hurls lots of obstacles at us. Lord, as we'll see today, the enemy, our enemy, Satan, throws many fiery darts at us, and it manifests itself in many different things, financial crisis, family struggles, marital problems, physical ailments. There are so many ways that the spiritual battle that we face, Lord, is is just an onslaught. So this morning, I pray for that individual in this room, for each of us as individuals in this room, as we face the spiritual battle, and we're being hit by the fiery darts and all the different curveballs that life throws at us, Lord, we would know we're not alone. Lord, we'd take comfort in the promise that you cover us during those attacks, or that you shield us And Lord, we realize that we need to trust you in the midst of those battles. But I also ask God that as we gaze into your word, we'd learn something about how to rightly understand and apply the coverage that you provide us. Lord, speak to us. Lord, help us to stand firm amidst the enemy's attacks. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So when Ashley and I first bought our home in Canal Fulton, that was the first home we've ever bought, to secure our loan, the the bank told us, you have to, there's no option, you have to get coverage for your house. You see, we have a vested interest in you getting coverage, insurance for your house, because we are holding your house up as collateral in the event that you aren't able to pay back the loan. And so Ashley and I had to choose for ourselves coverage. And you see, church, when it comes to us, that is individually and collectively, as God's bride, he also has a vested interest in protecting us, in covering us, because you see, God has placed a down payment on our lives, right? Ephesians 1.13 says this, when you believe, that's those of you who have believed and trusted in Jesus, 
You were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. That word deposit there, if you to drill down into the original meaning of that word, it was essentially a down payment. God has placed a down payment on us. He's made an investment in us. And one of the things that's true about God is that he protects his home. He protects us. He protects his investments. And here's the thing, it's so cool to know that God is actively at work in you, he's invested in you, and he is building equity in you. He is building up equity in you. Ephesians 2.22 says this, and in him, that is Christ, you too are being built together and becoming a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. I think that is truly remarkable, that by Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead, And our faith placed in Christ, he has purchased us, he has placed a down payment on us, and he has made a promise that he will will take us, that is collectively, the church, and he will bring us together in such a way that we will become his dwelling place, his home, his spiritual house. That's remarkable. But see, this is significant for us to understand because when it comes to spiritual battles, When it comes to us fighting our spiritual battles, we need to understand that God has a very vested interest in us because he isn't just covering something he cares about. He's covering his very dwelling place, his home. That should encourage us. As we face our spiritual battles, we don't have to face them alone. And that's why this morning, I want to spend some time talking to you about how you can get the most out of the coverage that God provides you. And it starts here. It starts with when we encounter our spiritual hazards, when we're in the midst of our spiritual battles and those fiery darts come at us and those those insults of the enemy come at us, we have to file our claims with God. We have to file our claims with God. We have to go to the one who provides coverage, right? In, in the event that there is a, a, you know, accident, your car insurance covers you, but what do you have to do? You have to call and file a claim. When we're in the midst of spiritual battles, the temptation for us is going to be to face those challenges head on, and oftentimes we make the mistake as Christians and even as people to try to fight those battles in our own strength, and that will leave us at failure. We've got to call upon the one who provides the coverage. We've got to look to our provider. Ephesians 6.10, and Carrie preached a little bit about this last week. It says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the might of his power. To have success, we need God's mighty power. I love this. Isaiah 59.17 says this, Talking about God, he puts on righteousness as his breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He puts on the garments of vengeance and wrapped around himself is in in zeal as a cloak. In other words, God is dressed for battle and he's not dressed for a battle for himself. He's already won. He's dressed for battle for us. 
He's dressed to protect us. He's dressed to cover us. We need to rely on him. It would be foolish if we had God on our team, on our our side in the battle, and we didn't ask him to come with us. He's our best asset. He will protect us. That's the kind of coverage that he provides. But see, here's the thing. I think at times we don't really understand as Christians what our coverage entails, right? God says, I'll cover you, I'll protect you, I'll shield you. But what does that mean? And what, what exactly does our coverage policy, so to speak, have? What's included in our policy? To understand that, we have to dig a little bit deeper. We first have to come to grips with the reality that we, that is all of us who are in Christ, have full coverage. We already have full coverage. It's not like we're looking for more. We have it. It's at our disposal. You know, when Ashley and I closed on that house that I mentioned, uh, in our closing cost, we, we opted to have the, the, I guess, the owner put into the closing deal a home warranty, a one-year home warranty. Just in case something comes up, it would be covered. One night, the girls were upstairs, my two little girls, they were getting a bath just before Azariah was born, and they were doing their bedtime routine. Ashley asked me, hey, Stephen, could you go in the basement and put some laundry in? So I did. Well, they started to drain the bathtub upstairs, and then it just sounded like a bucket of water had poured into the basement. I was like, what was that? So come to find out, when we identified where the water was coming from, there was a pipe behind our kitchen cabinets upstairs that had a crack in it, and it was big enough crack that when the drain, any drain from the upstairs bathroom was used, it would go down, and then it would, it would dr- just drip into our, our basement, and sometimes like flood into our basement. And so I was like, well, that's fine. We have coverage. We'll call our home warranty. So we called them, and this is what they told me. They said, it is not covered. I was like, of course it's not covered. Um, and they, here's the reason. They said, because if you didn't drain the water, there would be no hazard. Makes sense. And um, so there was actually damage to our, our seal plate. And then, of course, to get behind the, the, to get to the actual pipe, we had to take out the cabinets. Actually, Mark Boyd, he's here sitting on the front row, not to call you out there, but he helped me fix it. So grateful for him. And then Warren... Help me fix the seal plate. But, but what I'm getting at is that the coverage they were offering was not full coverage. It, it was kind of shady coverage, in my opinion. Just turn the water off, they said. I'm like, okay, well, that's useful. Um, they did end up covering some of the pipe, but none of the damage to the, the basement or any of that. So it was, it was kind of a horrible coverage. But here's the thing. That is not the kind of coverage that God provides you with in your spiritual battles. He provides you with full coverage. Complete coverage. I want you to check out this commercial. Everything, so we know how to cover almost anything, even mermuts. And we covered it, February 3rd, 2016. Talk to farmers. We know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. You know how the commercial ends, right? We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. What I want us leaving today saying is, God is our father, 
bum ba dum bum 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 He will cover you. He knows a thing or two trillion things because he has seen everything. See, there is no spiritual hazard that's going to arise in your life that God is not aware of. There is danger that's going to pop up in your life that God is not ready to protect you in the midst of. He covers you. And so what exactly does our full coverage include? Right, to find that out, we have to look at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 13 through 17. So if you have a Bible you want to turn there, we'll also have the scripture on the screen. This is Ephesians 6, 13 through 17. It says this, Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, or other translations say the shoes of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So contained in this passage, we have, so to speak, God's insurance policy for us. And here's the thing you got to understand. These, these things that we're talking about, they're already, they're already ours, right? Ephesians 1, 3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. In other words, you already have it. You already have the helmet of salvation. You already have the shield of faith. You already have all the pieces of the armor of God. You already are fully covered. You just have to understand your policy and how to use it. It's at your disposal. You've got a God that there, that's there to protect you. You just got to figure out what it is. So the first thing that's mentioned in this passage in our coverage is the belt of truth. And being fancy, I like to call this deception protection. The belt of truth protects you from being deceived. See, in the Roman army, they used a belt that would basically keep all of their garments, like, tucked in. So that was what the belt belt was used for. So that during battle, they're not tripping on their robe or tripping on some other piece of uh, their armor. They have a belt that would tuck everything in. So when Paul says here that God gives us a belt of truth, he's saying that the truth will keep you from tripping and being deceived. If you will, like, put truth in your life and belt yourself up with truth, you will be, there will be prevention from you tripping into sin. Revelation 2.14 says this, But I have a few things against you. You have some who hold to the teachings of Balaam, who taught Balak to place, key, key phrase here, who taught Balak to place a stumbling block in front of the Israelites to eat meat sacrificed to idols and to commit sexual immorality. The reason I quote this verse is because it's clear in this verse that the false teaching, the lies, the deception, is what ultimately led to Israel tripping into sin. See, too many of us are tripping because we don't know the truth. We have to know the truth and wear it as a belt to keep us from tripping. The second piece of armor or coverage mentioned is the breastplate of righteousness. I like to call this our affection protection. See, the breastplate is meant to cover our vitals. 
And there's nothing more vital in our spiritual battle than our hearts. Proverbs 4.23 says this, Guard your heart above everything else, for it is the source of life. See, I think that Satan knows this. In fact, I would argue that Satan has this verse memorized. I know that sounds odd, right? The enemy memorizing scripture. I think he knows oftentimes the Bible better than we know it. Doesn't mean he follows it, just means he's familiar with it. And I believe that he and, and the demons, the, the, the spiritual rulers and authorities that Pastor Kerry mentioned last week, even the world, is always trying to attack your heart, trying to grab your affections with things that are not meant to control your heart. First John says it this way, if we love the world, that is to say, not, not the actual world, but the, the world, the ways of the world, the things of this world, the philosophies, the ideas of this world, then the love of the Father is not in us. Can't say it much more bluntly than that. See, here's the thing. If our affections are ruled by earthly things, which ultimately manifest themselves in earthly treasures and pleasures, right? If our affections are controlled by those things, and I can, some examples, money, fame, promiscuity, comfort, ease, selfishness, greed, pleasure, entertainment, lust, position, power. Should I say pleasure again? If we're too in love with those things, then our heart is exposed to the enemy, We've fallen in love with the world and we've left little room for the Father, the love of the Father in our lives. See, I believe this. If you want to learn to guard your heart, you have to be intentional about building up your treasure in heaven. Jesus said it this way, right? If you were like, well, Stephen, how do you guard your heart from loving the things of this world? Jesus said it this way in his Beatitudes. He says, blessed is that person that hungers and thirsts after righteousness. Righteousness are those things that are good, those things that are godly. Basically, righteousness, a great definition of righteousness is, I want you to imagine what heaven would be like, righteousness, justice, purity, and I'll bring it down to earth and pursue that. Right? We all can see injustice in the world. God's saying, have a heart that wants to write injustice, but also have a heart for holiness, long after holiness, long after righteousness, long, fall in love with doing the right things, fall in love with serving other people, fall in love with me. Fill your heart with those things. And I love the, the second half of that beatitude. It says, hunger and thirst after righteousness, and, and the promises, they will be satisfied. Here's the thing, if your heart is full of love and thirst and hunger for righteousness and you fill your life with a love for God, there isn't room for loving the world. You will be satisfied. See, I'm a student pastor, I see this all the time. Students are drilling the minds of this world trying to find satisfaction for their soul. They're drilling everywhere. And you saw it in the video. When they find Jesus, their life is filled up. And suddenly those minds don't seem as attractive. That's my prayer for you this morning, is that you would stop drilling the minds of the world to satisfy your soul and simply allow Jesus to fill that in. And then it will be like a breastplate protecting your heart. Because here's the thing I've learned. It's not, it's not like God says, love this, these things less. He's just saying, love me so much that those things are not appealing. 
And I can tell you as I grow in my faith, the more I experience God's love, it's like choosing between, for example, sin and choosing between God. I'm not saying I always get this right, but that's a pretty, like when I think about it, I'm like, I could have intimacy and pleasure from God from doing the right thing, or I could choose this cheap sin. It's going to leave me feeling lousy. Picking this. Righteousness. And again, I'm not... I'm preaching to myself here. i got to be reminded that loving God protects my heart. It covers my vitals so that when I'm in the battle, my heart's in the right place. That's what the breastplate of righteousness is, your affection protection. Also mentioned in this passage is our, and, and included in our coverage is the shoes of peace. The shoes of peace. And I like to call that rejection protection. Rejection protection. See, one of the major attacks the enemy is going to do in your life, if it hasn't happened yet, it will, is that he will cause you to dwell upon your sins and your failures. He'll try to convince you that God is irate with you and no longer, that you no longer belong to God when you screw up and you sin or you fall into temptation. I think that that's the worst. We talk about the enemy tempting us with sin. That's true. There's a part that plays in that. But I tell you, I think worse than the temptation to sin is the insults the enemy throws at you when you do. The whisper is, hey, God doesn't love you anymore. Or hey, you're not worthy of God. Or he sneaks in, you know, someone at church asks you to, to serve in some ministry, and in your mind you're going, man, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. And the enemy's just there. You know, you're right. You're not worthy. You don't belong to God. There's all these verbal and mental attacks that come from the enemy, and he's trying to get you to not be at peace. But this is the thing, that God gives us these special shoes of peace so that we don't fall down, right? The enemy's goal is to knock you down. Once you sin, it's like, I think a lot of times we think that when we sin, we have fallen down. And, it's, and there's truth to that, that you do stumble. But the enemy wants to lie to you and say, you can't get back up. When God's saying, get back up. God has given you special shoes so you don't fall down and stay down. The shoes are the shoes of peace. You see, in the Roman army, they had these shoes, and underneath was almost like the first invention of cleats, right? They were spikes, so they could dig their heels into the ground and stay standing. So when the enemy was trying to push them or knock them down, they weren't getting knocked down because they were grounded. And God is saying, listen, I'm giving you the shoes of peace. And here's what the peace is. The peace that keeps us standing is our standing with God because of Jesus' death on the cross. Romans 5.1 says it this way. Therefore, since you have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Man, this is one of my favorite verses. Anytime the enemy says, Stephen, you sinned, God's no longer with you. I say, no, 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 no. Last I checked, it says, I have peace with God through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ doesn't fail, ladies and gentlemen. Jesus Christ always covers you with his peace. So when I'm being tempted to believe that I don't belong, I gotta remember my standing with God and then I'll be able to stand. I'll be able to stand. This is, of course, only true if you were in Christ, right? And this is, this is the application simple for those who, there's some of you in this room that maybe have never trusted and believed in Jesus' death on the cross for you, his resurrection from the dead, setting you free from the penalty of sin and death, 
and forgiving you for your sin that you are guilty of. And when you trust in that, you then receive this standing, as Romans 5.1 says, where you have peace with God. Because here's the thing, without receiving that gift, you're not at peace with God. A lot of people think God's just at peace with everybody. He's not. Jesus took the penalty and offers a pardon, but if you refuse the pardon, the penalty remains. So peace with God comes through faith in Christ. Another part of our coverage is the shield of faith. I like to call this aggression protection, our aggression protection. You see, we have an enemy that is super aggressive, always on the attack, always looking to harm us. 1 Peter 5, 8 through 9 says it this way, be sober-minded, be alert, your adversary the devil is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour. Key phrase here, resist him, firm in the faith knowing that the same kinds of sufferings that are being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world. See, when the enemy attacks, you are called to stand firm in the faith. And I I just think that Satan is a roaring lion seeking to devour you. That's the aggression he has. But God has given us coverage in the shield of faith. And we are called to stand firm in the faith. We are called to fight through adversity, suffering, hardship, We're called to to put our shield up against the fiery darts of the devil. And the way that you hold up the shield of faith, if you're wondering, well, Stephen, okay, I know I have a shield, but how do I use it? How do I wield that thing? The way you hold up the shield of faith is to keep your eyes on Jesus and remember that God is with you. As you're experiencing the fiery darts of the enemy, keep your eyes set on Jesus and remember that God is with you. Christian rap artist, uh, native to Akron, in fact, you, you might have read this, well, I'll, I'll get to that in a second, but Christian rap artist recently lost his mother to a long battle with cancer during the height of the pandemic. The Christian's rap artist's name is Swoop. His mom was a pastor in Akron, so her, her name was in the obituary not too long ago. In his most recent album, 24, he penned these words, and I believe that in this song, he is demonstrating to us how we can hold up the shield of faith. Hold it up to protect ourselves against the onslaught of the enemy. And it says this. Again, she's in the midst of a battle with cancer and he's reflecting on it. Can't help but feel whenever we embrace, I might break a bone so I just kiss your face. There were so many days where I couldn't even have that because your face had masks. I had to wear a hazmat. Imagine all the trauma coming to see your mama. She's laid up with 80 doctors and you're trying not to act sad, trying not to act mad when other people beat it, beat cancer, right? I think we need another treatment. I want to take you to a movie, but you've got another screening. How did all that radiation not keep you, uh, how did all that radiation not keep your life from beaming? You're too sick for the pulpit, but you never stop the preaching. You say, God is with me. Goes on to say, is joy still in the morning when you're nauseous every evening? Of course it's in the morning because my God is never leaving. I just hope he's kind to give you enough time to see it. I mean, the temptation is for us to cave and to give in under the pressure, the insurmountable pressure that comes from the onslaught of the enemy, but God is saying, hold the shield of faith up because I'm with you. 
I'm with you. That song, that title is I'm with you. And it's so cool. At the end of the song, his mom, it's a little excerpt of her preaching and just saying, God is with you. Emmanuel, he's with you. He's with you amidst the most difficult, the most challenging, the most taxing attacks of the enemy. So we've got to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. That's how we hold up the shield of faith. And sometimes it's just holding it. Maybe, maybe the darts don't stop until the end of this life. Maybe the darts don't stop. One day we know we won't have to use it anymore. But until then, we hold the shield of faith up. We keep faith in God. We keep our eyes fixed on God. Right? Part of Second uh, Corinthians chapter 4 says that, that our our light, and it's, it's not meant to, to, to be light and momentary, but it says our light and momentary afflictions, they pale in comparison to the eternal weight of glory that God has prepared for those who believe in him. Again, I think the reason he uses light and momentary is not because it's light and momentary. Our afflictions are not light and they don't feel momentary, but in comparison to the eternal weight of glory that God will basically just lavish us in in, his, in heaven, we can get through the hardship. But it doesn't stop with the shield. God gives us even more coverage. He gives us the helmet of salvation. I like to refer to the helmet as salvation as our depression protection. Depression protection. See, again, similar to the shoes of peace, there are going to be times in your life where you get down on yourself. Maybe it's because you sin. Maybe it's just because you're struggling. You're depressed. You're downcast. And you will begin to doubt that God is really at work in you. Like, how could he be at work in me? I don't feel his presence. I don't feel like he's moving in my life. I feel like things are getting progressively worse than they are getting better. How could God be with me? And so you begin to doubt God's presence and his work in your life. And in those moments, God tells us, take up the helmet of, of salvation, our depression protection. Right? Philippians 1.6 says this, I am sure of this, that he, that is God, who started a good work in you will carry it into completion on the day of Christ Jesus. See, I believe this, that God, he forms a helmet over us with the promises in scripture that are tied to our salvation. Right? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, is, who has given us an a inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, reserved in heaven for you. That's out of 1 Peter. Th those are promises from Scripture where God is saying, listen, you might feel like I'm not working in you right now, but here's the thing. I started a work in you, and I'm going to finish it. I'm going to finish it. Don't give up. Don't believe the lies. Don't get so downcast. Remember the promises of God, and that's what the helmet of salvation is. The more promises you know, the more protection you'll have. The more promises you know from God's word that he is covering you, that he is protecting you, the more, right, another one is John 10, 10, right? It says that the enemy is gonna try to snatch you out of Jesus' hand, but he can't. Jesus' grip is too strong. No one can snatch you out of the hand of the Father. No one can snatch you away from the love of Jesus Christ. Nothing. You've gotta let those promises be a helmet to protect you during times where you start to doubt. I remember back in my time in Bible college, I think it was probably like my sophomore year, I came home for winter break, and I, so in Bible college, you're busy, you're in the Word all the time, and I just was like, I'm exhausted. So I came home, and I just wanted to chill and, hang, and just spend time, you know, some me time. Well, amidst that, I fell into a temptation. 
and I chose to sin. I had this, this battle, internal battle with lust, I caved, and the next day, I felt the tremendous guilt and shame that built up on my shoulders. And remember, I went that morning, it was a nice enough morning, ironically, during winter break, where I could go on a walk outside, and I went on walk for miles. I just kept talking to God, saying, God, honestly, if you want me to just throw in the towel of this ministry thing, I'll, I'll just do it. Because the enemy the whole time was just saying, Stephen, you're not worthy of being in ministry. How can you lead people when you choose to sin? How can you tell people to pursue righteousness when you just caved the other day? How can you do that, Stephen? And I just remember feeling this, like, like maybe, I'm, maybe I'm not supposed to be in ministry. Maybe I'm supposed to just do other things because I'm such a mess up. How am I ever going to lead people in their faith? I remember feeling that. And I remember God speaking to my heart, and he said this. He said, I knew about this sin before you did it. When I died on the cross, I died for this sin. And Stephen, I called you into ministry knowing that you would make mistakes. I called you into ministry knowing that you would sin at times. But that doesn't disqualify you. Stephen, that is going to be the very thing that pre-qualifies you to comfort the other people that are dealing with the exact same thing, with the exact same guilt, with the exact same shame when they choose to fall into sin. And I remember saying, your actions don't surprise me. I mean, this was not audible. He's speaking to my heart. He said, I'm disappointed, but I'm not done with you. I'm not done with you, Stephen. You're still my child. You're still my servant. Get up, dust, dust yourself off, and move forward because I have began a work in you, and I'm going to bring it to completion. I hope that speaks to somebody in here today. When you sin, you fall into temptation, which 1 John 1, 1.8 says all of us do, right? And we're liars if we say we don't sin. But when that happens, and hopefully it happens less over time, right? The Spirit of God continues to mature you. When that happens, the enemy is going to try to get you to doubt that God's at work in you, and you can bring that promise up. No, 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 no. The one who began a work in me is going to bring it to completion. I believe that. I trust that. I'm going to receive that. I'm going to own that. That is your helmet of salvation. Now, the final part of God's coverage is unique because it is not a piece of armor. It, is, it isn't, uh, I mean, it, it could be seen as a weapon of defense, and I believe, as Pastor Kerry mentioned last week, we're not called to go fight the enemy. We're called to stand firm. God's already beat the enemy. We're, we're standing firm with our armor, with our sword. We're sh sharing the gospel, bringing people to faith in Christ, but we're not called to go try to pick fights with the enemy. The last piece of armor is mentioned is the sword of the Spirit. And for our purposes, I'll just, we'll just call that double coverage. It's double coverage. Hebrews 4.12 says of the sword of the Spirit, the word of God is living and effective and sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates as far as separation of the soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. See, I love this. I love that the Bible calls it a two-edged sword. It's double coverage, everybody. Double coverage. We have all this coverage from God and says, you know what? I'll give you another piece of armor. It's going to double your coverage, double your protection. See, I believe this, the sword of the Spirit is the part of the armor that we are to be most proactive with. In other words, it's the one that we, we, we use the most. And I say that um, 
based on a scripture like Luke 8.8, 8, and it says this, still, talking about seeds that fall on the ground, still other seeds fell on the ground when it grew up and produced fruit a hundred times what was sown. Well, here's the math then, right? More seeds, what does that mean? More fruit. So here's my, here's my take on this. More word of God in your life, more filling yourself with the scripture, more looking at the promises of God, memorizing the promises of God. The more of the Bible that you internalize and allow to live out of you, the more protection you have. It's your two-edged sword to fight the enemy when he's lying. You can invite the enemy to do Bible study with you. When he comes and he asks you and tells you, hey, you're worthless, you're worthless, you can be like, nope, I've got a scripture right here that says I'm made in the image of God. What other insults do you have? Right? The more time you spend in the word of God, the more it fortifies every other piece of your armor. I mean, it's, 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 it's obvious. The more time you spend in the word, the more truth you have, right? So the belt of truth is stronger. The more time you pursue righteousness in the word, the way you pursue righteousness is by knowing God's word and doing what it says. The more you do that, you'll have a better breastplate protecting your heart. The more time you memorize the promises of God, you'll have more peace with God because you'll remember those promises. Those will be like a helmet over you or the breastplate over you. Right, you guys get the picture. Every single piece of armor that God offers us, every part of our coverage is doubled when we bring the sword of the Spirit into our life. The sword of the Spirit into our life. I love how Paul ends this passage, and I think it's crucial for us to understand as we close. Paul ends this passage in talking about spiritual battles, Ephesians 6, 18, it says this, Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keeping on, um, keeping on prayer for all of the Lord's people. That last fill in the blank is trust your provider. I think it's a bookend. It starts with, hey, be strong in the Lord and stand firm. Here's all your coverage. By the way, at the very end, it says, hey, remember your provider. The one that gives you the armor is God. And, and I like to think of it this way. The way that you call up and file a claim to get your coverage put into action is through prayer through prayer. When, you, when you're in the midst of spiritual battles, all those pieces of armor, the sword of the spirit included, it all is meant to have you lean on and, and rely on God. And there is no better way to lean on and rely on God than to call upon him in prayer. So that's, I love how he ends. He reminds us, spiritual battles, we do fight them, but God's with us. And he's our source of strength. So with that being said, let's close in prayer together. God, again, we all come into this room and no one, no one of us is ignorant to the fact that life is full of battles. And I believe, Lord Jesus, that as we face our battles, you promise us a great coverage, protection, and ability to stand firm in our faith. So my prayer is that we would remember this scripture. And Lord, we would do our very best to take the coverage that you already provide and simply put it into action. Help us, Lord, because on our own we can't do it. Help us fight these battles because on our own we can't stand. We need you. We need your grace. We need your mercy. We need your work in our life. So I pray as we leave this place but not your presence, that you would go with us 
And you would give us the strength to stand firm amidst the battles. We're going to face probably right as we walk out this door. And the ones that have come later that maybe we were unaware will happen. Lord, we'll remember amidst those dangerous hazards that you're there with us and you are covering us and we can trust you and we can press into you because you provide us that coverage. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, thank you so much for joining us. Again, those of you online, if you are uh, needing a response or you want to talk to one of the pastors here about salvation, be sure to text the phrase CONNECT to the number 330-428-69 and we will get in touch with you. The same goes for many of you in this room, but God bless you. Hope you have a great week and hope you'll join us again next week.